the way out for everybody is to make it so that you and your partner are fighting the habit. So now your partner has to switch teams and come over and be on the side with you so that you can combat the habit. If a man can do that, then the likelihood that they're able to kick that habit goes up exponentially. Welcome to Chipping on the Knife. I'm your host, Frank Rich, and this is the only podcast in the world dedicated to helping men break free from the shackles of addiction through the power of faith and fitness. It is our goal with every episode to help you take back control and rebuild your body, mind, and spirit. And we do so by bringing you real and raw conversations with people just like you, aiming to find their place in this world while dealing with the everyday struggles and battles that we all face. Now, it is my belief that we were all created for a specific purpose. And if we can harness that belief or faith, then take control of our mind and body or fitness, then we can ultimately create the life that we've always dreamed about, our own superhuman life. I want to let you know how grateful and blessed I am to have you here with me today. Let's get on to today's show. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another amazing episode of The Superhuman Life. As always, I am your host, Frank Rich. And guys, before I get into introducing today's guest, which is a returning guest, I just want to share with you a quick dose of gratitude. You know, as I was preparing to record this intro this morning, realizing that this is, in fact, the last episode that will be released in 2020. You know, what a year it has been from quarantines and lockdowns and viruses and riots in elections and scandals, to all the things that were pulling our attention, all the things that were keeping us off of the real goal at hand, the real task, which is stepping into the life that we were created to live. And every week, that's my goal with these conversations. Every week when I bring a guest on, how can I help myself unlock something greater? How can I help myself step into more of my calling? How can I help myself truly become the man that I was created to be. But then how can I help our listeners maybe find the answer that they've been looking for? Maybe what they were truly created for. So I just wanna thank you once again, every single one of you, whether you've been here since episode one back in July of 2019, whether you rolled in in January of 2020, whether you've just been with us for this episode here today, I just want you to know that we would not be here. This show would not exist. Rebuilt Recovery, where we're helping men break free from the shackles of porn addiction, would not exist if it were not for every single one of you. So I just want to thank you for tuning in on a weekly basis, for lending us your ears. And it's my hope and goal that that something in every single one of these episodes speaks to you, speaks to your heart, speaks to your mind, but truly speaks to who you were created to be. Guys, we have an amazing episode. Bringing back on the one and only Dr. Trish. So for those of you guys that were around episode 47, just a few short months ago, the neuroscience of porn addiction. If you haven't listened to that one yet, make sure after today to go back, episode 47, where we talk about brain flow states. We talked about using technology and how the Muse Band can help you in rebooting and unwiring your brain. We get into the differences of of unwiring and and rewiring and why it's not just staying away from porn, but actually taking a proactive approach 
getting on the offense and changing your brain. So that's in the first episode. Today, we dive deeper into some of the differences in the male and female brain. You know, this is a question that I get asked pretty frequently. You know, there's about 30% females here that are tuning in. I get to talk to a lot of women. So, hey, Frank, you know, why are you always speaking directly to men? So Trish and I get into what are some of the differences in, in the male and female brain? And then what are some of the differences between an older brain? 45 plus and 35 and under. We break down how Trish views addiction and, and why maybe it's not the best word to use, but why it perhaps may be the only word we can use when we're addressing the issues that men are facing. We talk about dopamine dripping and how scrolling social media can keep you hooked and keep you addicted to pornography. We end a relapse and understanding and, and processing a relapse and looking at not as a failure, but as an opportunity for growth. And so much more, guys. This is an amazingly jam-packed conversation. The Neuroscience of Porn Addiction, part two with Dr. Drishley. Appreciate you guys so much. God bless. Dr. Trish Lee, welcome back to the Superhuman <laughs> Life. Thanks for having me. I am really excited to be here and continue our conversation. So Ab thanks absolutely. for asking me back. I appreciate that. No, well, you you were requested back multiple times. And, and like I was sharing with you, I mean, the, the feedback response, just like this is amazing. The reach, the impressions that we've gotten from from our first conversation, it's, it's, it's blown away anything else we've done on the podcast and on the YouTube channel. So I'm just I'm just super excited because yeah, I can. I, I talk about porn every day on my YouTube channel. I come from a from a very unique perspective, though. You know, I'm, I, I don't have your you know your brain, your your science background, your degree. So I love that that with you, we can really dial in on on the science, like the neuroscience, the nerdy, geeky stuff. But you're able to articulate in such a simple way that we can all you know with little IQs digest and, <laughs> and understand. Um, so well, thank you, because I have worked hard to be able to do that. I have been a college professor for over 25 years. And so like I that is what I'm trying to do on YouTube, because there's so much awesome science out there, but it's not easy to digest. Actually, someone put a comment yesterday on my YouTube channel saying like, you know, you can find and they actually put links. You can find what she says here at the Mayo Clinic here at Neuroscience. But then he wrote. Just stick with her because she's so much easier to understand. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And, 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 and that's probably why your channel, like we were talking before, has has just blown up in the last you know month or so because your message is just resonating. I'm, I'm just so excited. So let's just jump in. I mean, there's yeah, there's, there's no need it. to, to, to yeah. give you the small talk. So um, I think the first place I really want to start with you, and, and, and this is because, you know, we we have women that follow, you know, follow the show, not too much on YouTube, but on the audio side of things. You know, I'd say about, about 30, you know, 30 percent women. Can, can you speak to, you know, because it seems like obviously pornography is a, is a male problem, you know, um, and, and, and wired for intimacy. I don't know if you've read William, uh, William Shuther's book, but he talks about some of the differences, how men are visually, uh, stimulated versus women more, more verbally. So can you speak kind of to the difference between the male and the female brain? And why does it appear that this is such a male problem? If that even is the case there. Well, actually, so what the science shows is that when there, there's a few different aspects, yes, men and women's brains are different in terms of size. Men's brains are larger, believe it or not. Uh, right. <laughs> um, and in functioning and functionality. But and I can come back to that if we want to talk about it. But what I think is more important is that the science behind pornography consumption, especially and specifically shows that the impact on the brain is the same for men and women. Mm. 
So the way that it affects the brain is similar across both genders, which I do think, you know, is probably an interesting finding for most people. But there's another caveat when it comes to addiction and, uh, you know, addiction's a loaded word. And actually another person put on uh, one of the comments saying she doesn't use the word addiction, so it must not be real. Nobody wants an addiction. No, nobody wants to admit they have an addiction. So I prefer to talk about it as a compulsive habit or, you know, like a habit that you want to get rid of. And the defining factor is you keep going back for more and more and more, even though it has negative consequences in your life and you makes you feel bad and you don't want to do it anymore. That is the defining factor, no matter what we call it. But the, uh, the science on addiction between men and women shows interesting findings in that in behavioral and in substance abuse addictions, behavioral being pornography, being a behavioral addiction, um, shows that women are impacted more quickly when they are when they are exposed. So in the exposure phase, their brains are actually impacted more quickly, but it takes greater levels of exposure for their brain to stabilize into an addiction. So, so speaking to why would women's brains possibly be impacted more is because on first exposure, their brains could be hooked greater than the male brain. And then they would have to watch more and more and more to get to that stabilization phase where men's might stabilize a little bit lower. The, the science behind addictions also shows that there's more withdrawals and withdrawals are more stressful for women in substance abuse and behavioral addictions and that they are more likely for relapse. So what that shows is that the combination of those two scientific studies, if we can kind of glean what that might mean for a woman who's been exposed to pornography, who has, and just going back for one more second too, just men and women, we know it's nature and nurture. So there's also genetic or familial predisposition in brains that are more likely to have an addiction or a compulsive behavior. So if the if a woman has the brain that is that is at risk and then she watches pornography, then her brain might be hooked on it more quickly. She has to watch more to be able to get the release that she wants for it to stabilize. And then it's harder for her to walk away. So even though the percentages are smaller, and I don't remember the data on this, but Pornhub replayed reported that 23% of their users were female. And so that's a, you know, it's a quarter we'll say, but it's still a pretty small percentage when we're talking about billions of views and we're talking about 75% of the billions of views are men. But it's likely that those women, their brains feel like they need to go back for more because it's really been latched onto that behavior for the dopamine release that they're looking for now 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 speaking to the to the genetic component because um you know you you said that there there could perhaps be a chance where you know genetic uh genetically she's just more you know pre predisposed to a potential addiction are there kind of early warning signs that male or female could could look at just hey am i like obviously we know it's bad we're gonna address it but but 
just in the early, you know, early stages, like, are there things even before consuming porn, can we just kind of, are there, are there signs that we can identify maybe from our, from our family or, or in ourself that, Hey, we're, we're more likely to become addicted. Yeah, absolutely. So the the number, the number one, uh, and we'll go back to nature and nurture, but they go together. They're like so closely hand in hand when it comes to pornography and, and moving into a, a bigger category that some people might call sex addiction, which also some people might not like that, but it's actually been added to the international classification of diseases as a compulsive hypersexuality behavior. So basically sex addiction, even though we're calling it compulsive hypersexuality disorder is a real thing. And the number one way that that manifests is pornography consumption for all brains, regardless of the gender. But so the number one factor for women is sexual abuse. Number one. And, and in my more, more traditional training, not my neuroscience training, but my training as a sexual addiction recovery coach through the American Academy of Sex Addiction Therapists there. And I forget the numbers off the top of my head, but it is a huge percentage. It's in like the 90 percentage that if a woman develops a long-term sexual addiction, there's sexual abuse at the core of that. So the way that that falls back is that talking about nature and nurture, nature is the type of brain or genetic predisposition. And there's science that proves that for all addictions, brains are at risk because of, of the familial link. But then the nurture part is what that brain does in its environment. And so when, if someone suffers from sexual abuse, many times there's family trauma and dysfunction there in the first place, because we know that abuse is also passed down behaviorally because of their brains across generations. So that nature nurture is very, very linked in my mind. But I just made a video on epigenetics and epigenetics means above genetics. So my message to the world about all of this stuff is that you control your own destiny by how you use your brain on a daily basis. But the philosophy that I preach or I share with people and that I believe in is that we have to look back to the past just for a peak. (laughs) For some people, it's a peak. For some people, it's more of a, a dive and a dig. Then we spend much of our time in the present, seeing how past behaviors and our brain performance pattern inform how we're living our life and the behaviors that we have. And then our brain needs to be modified and rewired and our behaviors. And the best way to do that is to look forward, create goals with intention, anchor in, pull yourself towards the future while you're pushing yourself away from the past. And that's that's rewiring your brain the genetic way it was born, the way you've been using it, using your health, your wellness, your thought processes, figuring out your emotions, not being scared of them and learning to identify and to be with them and not let them make you run and want to escape. That's epigenetics. And epigenetics includes what we think of as like alternative medicine, anything you like an alternative and complement complementary medicine, which neurofeedback, what I try to share with the world is part of. 
Yeah, I, I, I love that. And you know, we touched on trauma on, on episode one. So, so for you guys that are hearing Trish for the first time on the podcast, when you're done with today, make sure to go back and listen to our first one, uh, the neuroscience of a porn addiction episode 46, 47, I believe I'll link it in the, in the show notes, but staying on that, that kind of working through and, and processing the past and in the trauma, because mm-hmm. you know, I get a chance. I'll, I'll talk with guys. I mean, 20, you know, 20 consults a, a week or whatnot, guys reaching out, asking for help, seeking guidance, consultations and, and whatnot. And you know, I always, I always address that kind of, Hey, have you kind of gotten to the root, like the root cause of this? You're like, Oh, I don't have any trauma. Da, 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 da. It's like, uh, nope, let's, let's, let's go a little bit deeper there. Can you kind of speak to, you know, how perhaps if not processing the trauma, if not actually getting to the root, like I got to imagine that that trauma, it's stored sometimes unconsciously in the brain. Like there's a, a spot in the brain where it's, where it's hitting. So how does, if we don't actually process that and we just leave it there and pretend that it doesn't exist, can that impact us from not being able to fully unwire and, and rewire using kind of your terminology and, and what can we do? hundred percent. And So the way that I think about that is that trauma locks the brain down. So the easiest way to conceptualize it is it creates a rigid brain. And we know that the way that brains change the best is when a brain is neuroplastic, when it's as flexible as possible. So trauma locks up the brain and creates a rigidity that makes it so that it's just so jammed in the neural pathways that were formed so long ago and have been traversed so many times through the old feelings and thoughts and habits and routines and lack of emotion. So the first question that I ask people when I do a consultation is what's the primary stressor in your life? And the reason being is it's exact same philosophy you have in approach. I, when a person comes back and says, you know, I, I have to get a lot of things done quickly and I have to interact with a lot of people who have different personalities and stress me out. That can be a, give me a really quick picture of how that person's using their brain on a daily basis, which is a manifestation of that rigid pattern that they locked in a long time mm. ago. I'll talk to another man and he'll say, I can't get out of my bed. I'm literally paralyzed here. I, I can't get out. And what I say to both of them is your behaviors are your choices. I know you don't want to hear this, but I know you don't think you're choosing to stay in your bed all the time. And I know you don't think you're choosing to be all stressed out all the time. Those are choices. And you can choose again using epigenetics above it. And I break down what they could do instead. And they'll they'll look at me like it's the most mind boggling thing. But the power of it is it, if I dig a little deeper, it likely goes back to what the trauma or the experience that they had when they were young, because our behaviors are the way that we act in the world to make our nervous systems feel comfortable. And I'm always talking about calm focus. We do different things to calm ourselves down, pornography being one of them for the people who are are hooked on it, but also like maintaining a super stressy life could actually be a compensatory strategy for trying to make their nervous system feel okay through the chaos. So that's how I think about how someone's performing in the present, how, and then of course I ask them like, what happened? What are some things in your life? And usually they're pretty linked up. 
I love that you that you dropped the your your choices or your your decisions because I think you know extreme ownership, taking responsibility for our actions, what's where it's got to us, and ultimately the responsibility that we're the ones that are going to get us out of it. I mean that that is the first principle of success, uh, whether you're trying to overcome this or, or trying to achieve anything in life. So so speaking to that, do you have like brain hacks? I mean, not I guess it wouldn't really be a hack, but like, how do you get across to that guy that's like, can't get out of bed or you're like, I just, I can't get up in the morning to start my day. I got to hit snooze, you know, 27 yep. times or, or whatever. Like, how do you kind of speak from a, you know, I from a neuroscientist or very, coach? very specific, actionable steps. And, and that's what people say. I love your coaching because you actually give me something to do. Yeah. So when a person can't get out of bed, um, actually, you know, one person I, or actually many people have difficulty getting out of bed because they want to watch pornography and masturbate. So I'm like, put your sneakers next to the bed, put your gym clothes directly next to the bed. And you're going to have to, it's not going to come with ease, but to, to pattern interrupt, to break the pattern, you have to have something immediately that is going to give you a dopamine release. So for the people who like to run, that's okay. For the people who don't like, and my husband and I joke, that the only reason we got out of bed is because we like to hang out and have coffee together. It's like a major motivator for us because as soon as our kids are up, there's no private time. So like for us to hang out, to have like half hour silence in the house, it's the such a strong motivator to get out of bed. You need a motivator that gives your brain what it needs to be able to pattern interrupt. And a lot of people don't have that. And it all goes back to neurochemical release that, you know, you need to find what gives you that. That's why I try to create goals that are on purpose. And I'm always talking about creating purpose in your work, in your relationships and in your hobbies or your play. So you can get up and engage right in your work. If that's something that feels good in, in like, for me, that would be like a hobby or, you know, downtime in, a, in my relationship. Cause that's a really good time for my relationship, but it's so motivating because it gives my brain exactly what I need. And so I, I give people very specific strategies. And then when I talk to them again, I say, how did it go? And if up they on did it, yeah. them, their, their lives and brains are in a different place. And so just to go back for one second, talking about the rigid brain pattern, and you had asked like, like what, it, what does trauma do to the brain? And then what can we do about it? The goal is to make your brain more plastic by unjamming that rigidity so that's why changing routines, habits, behaviors, thought processes, emotions is crucial. And then of course, you know, my, my framework is get the brain training headband, which I don't own the company. I wish I do. It's called Muse, but people can get a 15% discount through me because I'm a Muse ambassador. But if, you know, I tell people, you don't want to work with me, just get the headband because it's going to start pattern interrupting the pattern that you're wiring into your brain every day, the headband pulls your brain out of anxiety mode, out of overwhelm mode on a daily basis if you use it, and it will pull your brain into calm focus. So that's rewiring your brain from the brain down to the mind and the body. All of those behavioral things like thoughts and all that behaviors, that is rewiring your brain from your mind and your body up. That's a comprehensive plan. And so I talked to a young man the other day and he's like, I keep relapsing or everybody says this to me, actually, I keep relapsing. What can I do? I say, what changes have you made in your life? And they're like, well, I'm trying not to relapse. I'm like, you can't change 
that behavior within the same system. You have to change the yeah. system. No, no, I love that. Real quick, I'll share with you just just something that I I, I had to implement with with a handful of my guys, and I literally did a thirty minute podcast episode just screaming into the microphone because I had the same conversation with twelve people. I can't get out of bed in the morning. Well, a number one is your phone within arm's reach of distance while you're in bed. The answer always was yes. Okay, here we go. If your phone is your alarm clock, set it on the other side of the room. Yep. The minute it goes off, your feet are going to hit the floor. You have to walk over. And the minute you walk over, you're now forced to make a decision. Am yep. I going to snooze and go back? And you're going to tell yourself, my day is not as important as getting back in that bed. And every yep. single one of them, the first time they're like, brother, this changed my life. And I'm like, thank you. The world needs to hear this, record an episode on it, just get it out into the yeah. world. But it's like that little hit of dopamine. Like I did something that I said I was going to do. I always say your self-confidence is, is, is built and kept by keeping the promises you make to yourself. And I speak with so many men, like with porn, they're just lacking so much confidence. I don't know if I can accomplish this. I don't know if I can get out of this hole. Brother, you're, you're struggling with confidence. So when you say you're going to get up at 6 a.m., just get up and then acknowledge that you did what you said you were going to do. Yep. So and I, then I, I always tell people, reward yourself because that's how neuroscience works. Yeah. So like if you get your butt out of bed and you go and you get your alarm, go do something you like. It's exactly. going to give you the dopamine, but it's also going to reward your brain through the dopamine. Plus you're doing something you like. So now your brain goes, okay, I'm getting rewarded for doing something that's good for me instead of I'm being rewarded for something that's bad for me. That's the pattern interrupt and flipping it. Yeah. And, and no guy actually talks about the reward of watching porn in the release. It's never the reward. It's always less than what we thought it was going to be. I love how we can talk and just make, I mean, we, it's just so simple. You want to get out of this. You want to rewire, do things that you enjoy doing and then recognize yourself for, for doing it. And you're going to change. Mm -hmm. And it, it's amazing. So, so sticking with some of the difference between, between brains and kind of moving from male and female, let's talk about age differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is really important for me. And I, I see two things happening is that, and I haven't come up with a good term for kind of older men or middle-aged men and, you know, men on my channel, they'll be like, I'm one of those old timers that <laughs> we're talking about. Uh, like old timer is the wrong term, but for men who are, we'll just say like 45 and above, and that's an arbitrary distinction. But what I'm trying to make the difference is between men who kind of like grew up on Playboy magazines and then pornography came on the internet and it was a different situation because they transitioned from, you know, finding their brother's magazine and yeah. now it's all accessible on the internet versus guys in their 20s who are exposed at the same age at 11, but now it's, you know, 50 tabs open and, and going streaming, yeah. And, and, you know, escalating very quickly. Um, and, and we probably should talk about edging at some point, because I know that's a major thing for younger guys, mm. but so the, the difference is they have two different scenarios going on. Older men have 30 years of history of hardwiring in those neural pathways of going back once, twice, three times a week, four times a week, but most of them don't have the behavior of of having 50 tabs open and, and this escalation. So it's more like time of hardwiring in that pattern. Then when I talk with younger guys, you know, they've been, they have 10 years instead of 30 or 40 years behind them, which should seemingly be a lot easier, except for they do have this pattern of just massive intensity since day one. 
So it's more like older guys, it's consistency and frequency. And this is how I talk about on my videos. The factors are consistency, frequency, time and participation and intensity. So old timers, it's more one and two, possibly three time spent in sessions. Younger guys, it's three time spent in sessions with majorly uh, increasing intensity within them. And so when I meet with younger guys, a lot of them are in much worse shape in terms of brain fog, erectile dysfunction. They, you know, they're not even out of college yet and they can't think and participate. Yeah. So, so the pattern is different and the approach is the same, but it's a little bit different because there can be more withdrawals and there can be a larger experience for guys in both of these pockets. And the reason I want to talk about that is because I do think it is a different animal for older and younger men. They, they have different factors going on, but backing out the pattern includes stopping the habit. That's number one. And then getting into something that puts you on purpose, but it's different for different people. And so when I, this, I'm trying to learn how to deal well with the comments on my channel too, because people's experiences are so different. So when someone writes, you know, oh, we don't go from zero to 60, like you say, because in one of my videos, I must've said it. And that's definitely something I say where I said, like, when you get this dopamine rush, you go from zero to 60. So someone wrote, we don't go from zero to 60. And in my mind, I'm like, you don't go from zero to 60, but I work with a lot of people who go from zero to 60, like their brain is they're on two day binges because of that. They can't, yeah. it's not zero to five miles per hour. They can't get out of that. They're on two day binge because their brain is just so hooked right away. So, so in your experience, have, have, because I have noticed this, that, that the older men seem to kind of unwire, rewire like much quicker. Like I have 16 week curriculum and it seems like, you know, I've worked with a handful of guys like in their late forties and, and even into their fifties. And it's like, by week six or seven, as long as they've committed to the entire process, it's like, they're, they're kind of good. And they're like, we just kind of turn our coaching into these, you know, conversations about family and life. And I try to just get deeper with them where sometimes it's like the younger guys, it's like, we're still experiencing relapses and, and I don't really feel any changes. And we're like two months into it. It's like, okay, so, so have you noticed that it's the, the similar thing or, or just continuing with, with the differences here? Like how have you yeah. And, and the factors that you're talking about are really important because what, so the commitment, like that factor, primarily when you talk about as long as he's committed to me, that is the number one thing, regardless of age. But I do think like, as soon as someone commits, if they're older, then it, it, they can be just engaged in the process and have it unfold. And especially if the intensity wasn't there, it can fall out much more smoothly. Younger guys, I think are easy, or at least can say in their mind, not to anybody else, but in their mind, like, yeah, I think this is a problem because they feel their brains becoming brain soup, or, you know, like real soupy. And, but because it's normalized for younger men and the, you know, people don't think it's that big of a deal because they don't understand what's at risk, then they can have more with withdrawals. Relapses are more frequent because it's just that much harder and nobody thinks it's a problem. So it like commitment is the number one thing. 
And I feel like for older men, that commitment is stronger because many of them have partners. And so when, when that shows up in their life and their relationship, as it will, if you've been doing Mm -hmm. it for 30 years, then they have more at risk sometimes to lose, or they've already lost that and they're divorced and they're trying to figure out how to create a life for themselves. So like that commitment level kind of goes from, from here to there because it, there is more at risk. Yeah. It's like with um, some of but these, it's just a different kind of animal. no, yeah. It's like with some of the, some of the younger guys, like you're saying, like, like they don't know anything other than the mush brain that they're living with right now because they started so, so young. So they never actually had a fully functioning brain. Whereas a guy in his forties, maybe in his late twenties and thirties, like he was high performing, you know, functioning guy. And then some things happened in his relationships. And then he started exploring porn. And now he's realizing, Hey, I'm not the same guy. I was, back then. So it's almost like they can link it, link it back. And the younger guy doesn't have that comparison of, of what a, you know, functioning brain feels like what a high performing brain feels like. So he's got no comparison. So he's just like, this is just what life is supposed to be. I talked to a lot of guys that are kind of just like at that point where it's like, I don't know if I'm able to fix myself or is, am I stuck like this for the next 60 years? Yeah. Of, I know. Of my I life. tell people all the time, brains are proven to be neuroplastic across the lifetime. Yeah. We talked about that on the last so, episode, like up so to the eighties. And, and people write to me all the time. I'm, I'm screwed. You know, usually it's more vibrant language than that, but I'm screwed because I can't function and there's no way for me out. It's not true. There is a way for you out to get it out, but yeah. it, can, it can have some struggle with it. If, and especially I have, I have the notion that intensity is probably one of the larger factors that impacts because people always ask me, how long does it take for a brain to heal? And it's a loaded question. I can't answer mm-hmm. it, but those are the factors that are most important and intensity is really coming to the surface these days. Yeah. Actually, I, I want to, I want to get to that, but just, just to kind of put a you know, close this, this topic here, actually have a video on my channel. It's called porn has not ruined your life. Dot, dot, dot yet. Like it'll be ruined if you don't ever address it, but using it's ruined my life. Well, no, it's not because you're actually here acknowledging that it is a problem. Now let's get you, get you out of it. So getting into this, this intensity, you, you, you used the word edging there before. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. It's something I haven't even spoken about familiar with. I read, I read Gary Wilson's your brain on porn book. I'm I, I understand the concept. It's nothing I ever did. I think I actually, although I'm only 37, I think I probably, my experience with it was probably more in the, the older, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the 45 plus because, because it was a, it was a magazine at the age of seven. That was my first exposure. And then I didn't really get, you know, a smartphone until I was like in my twenties. So I, I had some time, you know, of, of, of developing the brain. So I never edged, I guess would, would yeah. maybe be the term. You can kind of just speak to that and then, and then talk, if you can to sex and masturbating while rebooting, how, like, is it something, you know, obviously like if you're married, you know, going without sex with your wife, it could cause some issues. If you're a single guy. Like, yeah, no, if, I do if, not. I do not promote that at all. And my training okay. is not uh, of that school of thought. And I answer that all the time on my YouTube channel and it goes back to neuroscience. So I, I probably sought out training that, you know, felt that that was okay because neuroscientifically, what we are trying to do is rewire your brain so that it wants to have healthy dopamine and neurochemical levels from the activities in your life. So the goal in a reboot is to couple your brain neurochemically through oxytocin release, 
dopamine, serotonin, all the good neurochemicals to another human being. So what we want you to do during the reboot process is to engage in that healthy behavior of healthy sexuality with your partner. And of course, that's really loaded because I just used the words healthy sexuality, which people have asked me to talk about healthy sexuality. And I'm like, I'm not really ready to go there yet because that's not what my mission is per se, but that is going to need to be part of it because all people who are coupled to the screen are getting a massive education in unhealthy sexuality. And so, you know, it's supposed to be fun and pleasurable and engaging with your partner. So the only caveat to that is you wouldn't want to have sex with your partner if you can't stay present in the moment with him or her, because then you're using that mental imagery and you're getting the dopamine release from from the images that you've coupled yourself to. Some like almost as like like almost as if you're acting out your porn fantasies, but just in real life and visually, you know, mentally trying to create what you're used to watching, but in this, you're just using her as a as an object really in yep. in that case. Yep. And yeah, I even that's talk exactly right. And and in my training, it is the way that we talk about that is to have the lights on and actually be really engaged with your partner. Takes a lot of uh, it takes a lot of trust and um, vulnerability in, in in some relationships for that. So that's that's a whole another conversation um, to have. I don't want to make this you know relationship related. Now now with guys that are you know that have some of the physical symptoms here, you know your PIED premature ejaculation, you know soft erections, like saying you know you need to you need to have you know uh, honest, truthful sexuality, like in your woman, he's, you know, embarrassed by the situation that he's got himself into. So previous option was, let me go look at porn prior to getting, you know, going in, into the bedroom. So understanding that obviously the, the physical symptoms are rooted, rooted in the brain. What can guys do if they're struggling with some of these, you know, physical? Yeah, symptoms? it's time and rewiring. And that's why, uh, you know, Time isn't enough for most people because time is just unwiring. So mm. sitting around waiting for your brain to unwire is one way to do it, but that's the least successful way. The most successful way is to, you know, strong offense is to go out there and start doing activities that give you the dopamine. And you may need time when it comes to being with your partner. And, you know, speaking about, women and how pornography impacts women. Pornography actually impacts women as secondhand smoke more so than it does mm. in terms of an addiction. So one way to deal with that is honesty with your partner. And I know that's a novel concept for so many people, but if you can be honest, then, and I don't say that's naughty. I say that in, I've helped already so many men, young men who are like, I told my partner about it. And what, what that does is it frees you from it because we know that that a pornography habit is perpetuated by a shame cycle. It breaks the shame cycle because now you've just shared it. And then the way that I talk about it, and especially if you have women listeners who are partners, the way that I talk with partners is that if your partner has a pornography habit that is impacting your relationship and it's you know trashing trust and honesty and all that, then what happens is there's three of you in that relationship. 
there's you, your partner, and the addiction. Mm. So right now it's you versus your partner and the addiction. So, and this goes back to speaking about the commitment, the way out for everybody is to make it so that you and your partner are fighting the habit. So now your partner has to switch teams and come over and be on the side with you so that you can combat the habit. If, if a man, we're just gonna say a man makes sake of these. If a man can do that, then the likelihood that they're able to kick that habit goes up exponentially because now, and, and as many people as you can get on your team, you tell your parents, I'm in consultations or young men, their moms are there. I'm like, that's totally awesome that you're able to tell your mom that and your mom's here helping you get the, the help that you need. So now you have a team behind you because especially people who have a full-blown addiction and we can discuss what the parameters of that are because it's sleuthy. And I've had these conversations so many times and you may or may not know what I'm talking about. I always call it sleuthy because the voice will be in their head and it will start rationalizing and minimizing and justifying why they should go back for just a little more to make sure they're strong enough because they've gone three months, they can handle it. I'm like, that is not your voice. That is the voice of addiction. That's how it shows up. Why I always call it the hijacker. But now if you have a teammate then you can go, whoa, guess what just happened? That voice showed up in my head again. The power goes away from that voice because you've got a team instead of just you and that voice. God, I love that. And and for you guys that that are around every week, like if you're not starting to see some of the parallels in the conversations that we're having, real quick, Trish, I just want to share with you a, a story of one of our recent guests. We had Anthony Trucks on. He's not in the porn addiction space. He actually is an identity coach. He helps people, you know, shift their identity in life, which is similar to obviously what we're doing here. He's got a unique marketing spin on it. One of one of one of Anthony's, you know. Grew up as a foster kid, played in the NFL, American Ninja Warrior, had a had a had a had a child very young, wife ended up cheating on him. Then he realized, like, no, like I like I I set out to build this family with this woman. They're back together now. And I asked him about it. Like, what was that process like? And he he used a very similar analogy to what you said about getting on the same side with your partner, fighting the addiction. He talked about it as like you got to get on the same side of the table as your mm -hmm. partner. I said, how were you guys able to, to navigate this process of getting past? Cause she cheated on him. So there was some real, you know, trauma there in the relationship. How did you guys process and get through this? He's like, brother, we got on the same side of the table and we fought it together. And that's exactly what you're saying here. So women, if you're out there and, and, and you have a guy and he's struggling with this and you know, your immediate action is a reaction is to guilt or, or, or shame him. Listen to what, you know, Trish is speaking. You know, she's she's speaking from a neuroscience level, but she's also a, a, a wife. She's, you know, she's a mother of, of children. So she's speaking almost, you know, from, from both perspectives here. It's, this is a fight that he's not going to be able to do it alone, especially if he's in the house with you. He needs your support and he needs you on that same side of the table fighting that fight with him. So. Yeah. And, and I talk about that. And I love the identity piece that you're talking about because so many times I will say, what do you love to do? And, and guys that I talk to be like, I have no idea. I'm like, well, by next week, I want you to have a list of things you actually like to do. So, yeah. you know, anchoring into that purpose can be really difficult for people because their identity is wrapped around. It's actually morphed from whatever traumas or dysfunction from their childhood they don't even know. And it's hard for any of us. Like, you know, I'm guilty of that too. I'm constantly working on my own identity and just true and integrity. That's 
But I think it becomes even harder for people who have lost themselves into anything that has become escapism for, for them. And I wanted to just speak for one more. When you were saying that you just screamed into, you know, the microphone, I feel a strong need to do that right now, but I have been holding myself back, but I put a couple comments out because people will say like, uh, you know, sex is supposed to be good. And, you know, uh, it, there's nothing wrong with it. Pornography is not real. It's not sex. You're not even participating. Exactly. It's not an experience. You're watching a performance. I literally want to scream that onto my channel because I want people to realize we are not talking about comparing apples to oranges. We are talking about a screen and a habit that you have, you're, you're beyond the fourth wall. Like, and, and it's got your brain, like it's hijacked your brain and it has got gotten you get back into the real world, start having these experiences, even if they are creating less dopamine in your brain, they are real and they're supposed to be less because that's where joy and happiness comes from. And there's actually neuroscientific studies that show that technology in and of itself, but especially when it has this super normal stimulus of pornography, that it is replacing pleasure for happiness. So people get hooked on seemingly pleasure and pain reduction and they're replacing it for happiness and they don't even know what happiness is. And that's why it's so difficult once your brain's coupled to the screen for you to even see how anything in the world can give you pure joy and happiness. And I talk about joy and happiness and then people will write back in the comments using the word joy, but wrong, using it as pleasure. Yeah. Um, we are not talking about the same thing here, but I just want to scream, it is not real. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this, this show, if, I mean, if, if anybody brings energy to as, as a host, it's me. So we can do all the screaming and yelling. I love Dave Asprey's quote, you know, porn is a high, fru high fructose corn syrup of sex. It's like high fructose corn syrup. It's not real food. It's destroying you, you know, you internally. Um, and right. then Gary Wilson's got a quote, like in his, in his book, your brain on porn. It's like using pornography as a way to practice for sex is like, getting ready for the Wimbledon by playing golf or something along those lines. Yeah, like it's yeah. not even the same activity. It's not even the same totally. sport. So I know um, people put comments on my channel too. Um, saying like, you know, it's like watching cooking shows to become a better chef, watching tennis lessons to become a better tennis player. And to me, I was going to write it, but I did not because, uh, you know, there's this cooking show I watched with my little daughter. It's called nailed it, but it felt like it was the wrong, uh, you know, term for, for what we're talking about, but it's bad cooks cooking things poorly. And, and at the end you're voting for the least worst. Like it's like watching that and preparing <laughs> to be a top level chef because it's not a healthy version of sexuality. It's completely distorted. The people in it, half of them don't want to be there and it is not bringing any happiness. And they're not even really, ex you know, experiencing actual pleasure. It's all fake and it's unhealthy in the first place. Yeah, corn syrup for yeah, sure. yeah. And if you guys haven't seen all the, you know, all the the media coverage and press on on porn and what you're actually consuming when you're watching this, ten plus million videos taken down because there's rape and abuse and trafficking. Guys, you you we we've done entire episodes on that fact, so I don't want to take up Trisha's time because she's so valuable with with the science here. So staying on that technology piece, you know, I put a video up today. Uh, you know, how social media is, is keeping you addicted to porn. You, know, you talk about that super normal stimulus, like with Instagram, we can just keep scrolling, 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 scrolling. And although it may not be the hardcore, you know, stuff that we're watching on a, on a Pornhub or, or tube sites, it's, I got to imagine that it's giving you that same kind of false 
sense of, of dopamine. Actually, so. I came up with the term. I looked it up. Nobody's using it. I'm like, I should trademark this. But because someone's like, yeah, that's cool. I never heard of it that way. Um, I call that dopamine dripping. Mm. So it's kind of like edging. This is the way that I describe edging and dopamine dripping is they're the same but different. So like my brain is down here because thank God it's fairly regulated. So this is the dopamine levels that I need to exist and have a happy life down here. But if I had a pornography habit, I would need it up here to just feel okay about life. Then if I'm edging, what I'm doing is I'm going from three to four, all in one session to five, across days to six, I'm keeping my brain in this cloud. That's edging, like edging up these higher and higher dopamine levels. That's why it creates these massive problems for people because they're at this just enormously high levels of, and constant, like keeping you in a cloud, the bubble, keeping your brain up there. When it comes to Instagram, it's at lower levels. It's not at three, like pornography would be, but it's down at two but it's keeping you at two, two and a half, mm. two and three quarters. And so what happens is you, you're not flooding your brain, but you're dripping it with dopamine, with levels of consistency that last long, especially people who get on Instagram and they're just trolling through a feed for an hour or two. So then what people tell me all the time is then I relapsed because I was on Instagram. I'm like, you just took your brain from two to two and a half to two and three quarters. Your threshold is three. You've been dangling your, your brain right, be, right below your threshold for an hour. What do you expect? It needs more because you've trained it to consistently need more and more and more dopamine. The way out is to train your brain to need and want and be happy with normal levels of neurochemicals that make you feel good, but don't give you instant gratification. Teach your brain to use executive function skills to go out, set a goal, make smaller steps, start making them actionable, take those actions, reward your brain and keep moving forward. But learning to exist down here at zero to one. Yeah, I uh, love that. Actually, I, I take my guys, we like week one, it's you know called a purge or, or house cleaning. I don't go, there's been sometimes I've gone and I've checked their account to see like, did they actually do what I told them to do? But it's like, either take Instagram off your phone for a short period of time and just completely reset it. Cause most of them, like they're, they're not marketing. You know, I use Instagram as a, as a business tool. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a time where it served a different function for me, but where I'm at now, like I'm, I have very strict rules, but we actually go through and it's like, I need you to delete mm -hmm. these pages of following. She's not a fitness influencer. No, she's, <laughs> she's, she's a softcore porn star. Yeah. Um, let's call it That's what exactly it, let's it. call it what it truly do I is. Have, do I have to get off Instagram? No, but you have to entirely change your feed. Fill it with motivational quotes yep. Fill it with people who inspire you find the things that you like, make sure there's nothing triggering in it, fill your feed with that. So and I've been so busy, you know, undoing some of my great habits. That's how I use it. Like normally I'll throw something motivational into my brain, you know, late morning. And then while I'm chilling out in the evening, I, I motivate myself and inspire myself. Now, now just 
a slight change of direction here and then I want to get get back. But can that can that though cause a similar problem though? Like if you're becoming addicted to motivational quotes, so you're just scrolling and getting kind of the dopamine dripping with a different Definitely. type of content. So you need to obviously be careful. Wait, in- yes and yes and no, because like that wouldn't give you the levels of dopamine. Got it. That, okay. Especially if your brain was conditioned to conditioned to other bodies to objectify. Got it. Okay. Bodies. So like it's not going to give you anywhere near, but yeah, you can literally become addicted to anything. But most things in the world, and I just had this discussion with someone, they're like, it's like a food addiction. I'm like, no, because for most people, food doesn't create the same dopamine levels. But if you have Mm. the brain that has the genetic propensity for a food addiction, then yeah, food's the thing you have to monitor and self-regulate around. But for when we're talking about, you know, screens and technology, that's not usually the case. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Yes. Yeah. With. With a little bit of time we have, let's, um, if we can, let's dial in on, on addiction because we, we've really had that word kind of thrown since the beginning. I don't like it. It's, you know, it's got all these things, but then you, you said, Hey, let's address this. I think you were use the word sleuthy. So I'd love to, to define that, but yeah, let's just get your take on addiction. Like, do you actually have a, a definition that you, that you use? I love, I, I don't, you know, Andrew Huberman out of, out of Stanford. Are you familiar with, with his work? He's a neuroscientist. He runs Huberman lab out there in Stanford, but he's got a, a beautiful definition of addiction. It's, it's any, it's the narrowing of things that bring you pleasure is how he's defined it. So uh, just curious, like, like how, like, can you just speak to, to addiction and then fill us in on what sleuthy means? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, my definition is kind of the more classic, um, definition, but I really like that because I agree with that, the yeah. narrowing of pleasure, but, you know, I think that it, it's basically what I told you before the difference between It's the difference between just a hobby and a compulsion is you have to do it. And so actually the definition between um, compulsion is the, is the factor for me. It's like OCD, but it's different. Compulsion means you go back to it, even though at the end of the day, you don't want to, but you have to, to be able to feel okay. And that's the narrowing of pleasure. And like you said, and so many people tell me, so many people that I work with, they're like, I don't even, at the end of it, I don't even know why I did it. It it makes me feel bad. So if it actually is pleasure, then you don't feel bad at the end of it. Mm. And so that's why I say seemingly pleasure because I don't even think it's actually pleasure. I think it's escaping And it's pain reduction and people will argue with me on that. But like, you know, if you love to play golf and you just play golf all the time, like, is it a golf addiction? It's giving your brain similar, like, you know, dopamine, but if it's good for you and you're making a a lifestyle out of it and you can balance it and you're not like blowing off work to go golfing, like, you know, the, but at the end of the day, you love to golf and you get done with your round of golf and you're psyched with yourself because you just got to golf. That's very different than wasting five hours and being like, I could have just done something else with those five hours and then having regret. And we know if people have guilt, but then the guilt, guilt is I did something wrong. Guilt shifts into shame, which is I am something bad. And shame perpetuates the cycle again. and so. And actually, there's a study that shows that moral incongruency can be one of the strongest ways to get someone to commit to change and to breaking the habit. But what happens to so many people is that what they're watching 
morally doesn't fit to what they would tell people in the world. So it creates dissonance in their psyche and the way that they're living their life because they go out in the world and, you know, want to be and show the world that they're one type of person, but then they're watching again, like it's not real. And most of it's very intense. And we know that it's uh, objectifying bodies. And we know that many of the acts that people are watching are not ones of pleasure. So like, you know, that's why at the end, people feel sick to themselves. They just spent their time doing that. And that's that social anxiety, that fear of conversations, fear of being out there, because what happens if these people actually find out what I'm doing in my alone time? Real quick, I'll just share with you kind of my, you know, big, a big shift in my personal story, my personal transformation. You know, you and I are here kind of from two different paths. Me, I'm a recovering porn addict. I guess I, you know, I don't use that terminology a lot, but I, there's really no better way uh, to, to truly define it. But for me, I was a public type figure. I mean, I had a, an online fitness business. I was putting content out on social media, but a lot of my fitness stuff was even geared towards becoming the best version of yourself. Like I use that term, term, terminology a lot. And a real breaking point in, in, in my life was when I looked in the mirror after, you know, putting content out on a daily basis, telling people to overcome fear, step into your greatness. You can do all this, like all these, you know, personal development terminologies, realizing like, Frank, you are a fraud. You are, you are not even living your best life. You're not even, you know, stepping into the greatest version of yourself. And it, and it truly came a breaking point. It's like, okay, well, overcome this challenge, overcome this struggle. And then I think that's what led me to, to the podcast. I finally found freedom. I just need to put the story out into the world. And the first episode was 90 minutes of my transformation. And it's obviously it's grown and evolved from there. Um, yeah, but, but it I, reached you. that's what breaks the cycle. That's why I tell people, is there someone you can tell? Or like, you know, they tell me and that breaks the cycle enough. That's why yeah. the conversations are so yeah. important. I actually had that. I had that as, uh, as something I want to address with you. So, so can we actually, if, is there anything that the, the, the science shows about, relationships in, in healing and, and, and how those are kind of integrated, like actually having, you know, whether it's your partner or, or a tribe or, you know, uh, a fellowship of, of men, like having those from a, you know, from a rewiring standpoint, is there anything that, that, that takes place in the brain? Yeah, definitely. You... Definitely. And that goes back to, so the way I talk about it is building intimacy and mm-hmm. there's multiple different ways. And depending upon, if you look up the definition of intimacy, you know, you'll find like, five main types or 12 main types, but basically it's like having spiritual intimacy, physical intimacy, emotional, mental. So you can find intimacy. And this is actually crucial for recovery, finding intimacy with your partner, if you have one. And even if you do have one with other people, with a tribe, with that's why 12 step groups have groups. Like Mm -hmm. you have to get a group so that you have a group of people that you can become vulnerable with. And so for me, and I tell people this every time I talk with them is that when you build intimacy with other people, you allow yourself to be vulnerable. You let people into the soft spaces that you're afraid to let most people into, but by becoming vulnerable, and you just said this, actually, you become invulnerable. It becomes your armor because if you allow yourself to open up to people, especially about pornography habit, it no longer owns you. Mm -hmm. So you take that vulnerability, you share it with safe people, and we should probably talk about that, but you share it with safe people and then you become invulnerable because it no longer owns you. 
That's yeah, the way so, yeah, so so what would be an example of an unsafe person? An unsafe person is someone who can't hear it. Someone who, they don't even have to do anything for you. They just have to be able to hear it and be there for you. So people who judge, and in one video I made recently, I tell, you know, I'm talking to men when I make my videos, I say, do not judge yourself for this. And I wanted to say this to you before, but on my website, it says, you didn't create this, but this is your responsibility to take care of. And I believe that because if your brain was hijacked, you didn't do this to yourself. If you have the genetic propensity, you lived a life of dysfunction or whatever, and then now your brain was hijacked, you didn't do this to yourself. But great power comes great responsibility, which is why I'm, I'm doing psychoeducation on my channel because that's part of epigenetics. So like linking it all together, that is how you get above it. But by creating connection, we are people, human beings are supposed to have connection. And so people think when they couple themselves to the screen, they're getting connection. But I have to tell you again, it's fake. It's that connection. It's isolation. So what they end up getting is isolation. So when you create connection in a group or with, with your partner, or with your family, and you allow yourself to come back out, become vulnerable, let somebody in, that person has to be able to hear you, not try to fix you and allow you to dump that out and then help you get the, the, the right help, become a support system who's not fixing you, but supporting you in doing the things that you need to do. And you know this by helping people, people have to want to help themselves. And then the second thing I was gonna say is like non-judgmental, not, you know, not judging you for it and then extending grace. I use the word grace, having, you know, grace for, for the journey that you're walking in and being able to support you and, you know, being that's, that's safe. If somebody comes to me, I'm not going to try to fix them. I'm just going to help them problem solve what they can do with them and be there behind them. If they, if in case they fall or if they need a shoulder and that is a safe person. That's incredible. I, I love that you shared, shared the great. So I'll, I'll share with you just, I know that's probably the thing I struggle with the most because I'm so responsibility ownership. It's yours. You got to do it. You have it in you. Like people was like, Frank, you got to give yourself a little bit more grace. Cause I tell people all the time, like my videos, like I think I'm talking to myself, like, and that's how I create content. I'm like, I know what it feels like to be on that other side. So every video is really a reminder to this guy. Uh, yeah. just to keep it, you know, keep, keep walking a straight line there. But yeah, I definitely struggle probably with, with some of that grace. So. Yeah. And I think I told you, I started my videos talking to partners yep. because, and then my mentor, Dr. Doug Weiss, he's like, I'm pretty sure you're not vibing because you just have a spot in your heart for people who struggle with this. And most partners don't get that. Yeah. So then I, I unlisted all those old ones <laughs> and I, and I'm talking directly to people who struggle because I just feel so bad. People whose brains have been hijacked, especially when it comes to pornography, but I've been wanting to help people reach their full potential. I see these brain patterns as blocking people, like going back to the rigid brain, and trauma brain's only part of it because when you when you when you hardwire in these neural pathways by going back day in and day out to the screen, like you're you're hardwiring in a pattern that is dragging you down. It's like literally like a cinder block on your ankle. So I want people to know that you're self-sabotaging. Like, stop it. The world needs you. Find your purpose, become the one you here, and rock that out and have 
a fun time doing it. That is the way to live life, not being sucked back into seeming pleasure and pain reduction. Yeah, I want I want every every person, every listener, every follower of mine and yours to know that the world is a better, more beautiful place with you in it. We need you to step into what you were created for. We need you to step into your potential to make what we're all doing here together the fullest, most complete version of itself. Trish, yes. I, I I absolutely love your heart so much. I mean, the fact that you 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 know you've taken the time out here twice to to speak with me to share share with our audience when. I know there's so many other things you could be be doing here. So we were just so appreciative and, and I absolutely yeah. love no, it. It's I, really super important to me. Uh, I, my passion runs deep and so I'm not going anywhere. So I'm hopefully you and I'll keep talking over time. <laughs> I, I, I believe there's something much, much deeper here. And, and from some of the people I've spoken with, as I was you know sharing that I had you coming back on, um, they, they agree as well that there's, there's, there's something really, massive that's going to come out of the two of us. I want to ask one more thing and then, and then we'll wrap it up. This is once again, just been a jam packed hour. Um, relapse, you know, just, just speaking to guys that are, you know, that are, you know, maybe in your program and in, in mine or, or doing this, you know, by following our content or, and are building their own tribe around them. You know, if, if you struggle and relapse, you know, in the first 30 days, what happens? How, how does it impact you? You go back to day one. Then if you're six months, you know, free, then you have a slip and relapse. You got to go all the way back, back to day one. So you can just, you know, talk on, on, on relapsing. How does it impact? And and then yeah. where can guys kind of navigate it from? from Definitely. There? And before I forget to talk about this, I'll, I'll talk about relapse in general, going back to that commitment that we talked about. When we talk about slips and relapses, some people never make the mental commitment and they can, you can dopamine release without anything. So staining mm. is one thing. So self-awareness is huge. And that commitment up front is the number one factor that will make you successful because, and, and it doesn't have to be perfect. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that neuroscientifically. It does not have to be a perfect journey. What is right. But when you're committed and you can start building self-awareness and you can start realizing when you're giving your brain, what it used to need in the dopamine releases at higher levels, that is what we are changing. So we have to change the behaviors, whatever they might be, that is giving your brain that massive amount of neurochemicals. So some people change their behaviors, but actually they're really not changing their brain too much. And that's the concept in alcoholism of a dry drunk. You can mm. not have you, you can abstain from drinking for years and years and years, but your brain hasn't changed at all. It's craving alcohol. You're just doing a great job at abstaining. Actually, that taxes the nervous system significantly over time. And what yeah. it does is it creates an anxiety brain pattern in there. So you can abstain, but you're basically spinning your electrical, you know, magnetic wheels twice, three, four times harder than you need to just keeping that habit at bay. Yeah. Now the way to, to come out of the habit is to, like we've already said, change the system, change the behaviors and the thoughts. But if you have a slip, there's a difference between a slip and a relapse. A slip is a one-time, you slip backwards just a tiny bit. So like if you have been, you know, abstaining for two weeks and then two weeks later, you take a little slip back the key is to learn from that slip, deconstruct it. What got you there? Yep. What, what was sleuthy about it? Cause something sleuthy happened. Something tricked you into doing it again. Like literally that's the truth. That's the slippery slope. So something has to be changed. If you don't change another thing, you're likely to slip again, 
the more times you slip, it leads to a full relapse, which is you're just back into your habit the way that it was before, whatever it looked like. So slips can be really, really powerful. It shows you where the holes are in your program and your plan. Mm. So when you set the intention to come out of this habit, there needs to be a plan. It can't just be, I'm not going to do this anymore. It has to be, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I'm going to put my phone over in the bathroom when I go to sleep. I'm going to not go down into my man cave after 10 PM. I'm going to turn my computers around at work. So they're visible to other people. Like that's a plan. Then if you have a slip and it's like, Oh, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize my lunchtime it's an hour long and I eat in 15 minutes, which gets me 45 minutes of sitting around in my car by myself. I didn't realize that was a, a, a yellow zone or a red zone that was going to lead mm-hmm. me to a slip. Now I realize it because I just had a slip and now I'm only taking 15 minutes for lunch and then I'm going for a run or, you know, finding the holes, plugging the holes and moving forward. That has, that can have huge power for people. And no, it doesn't move your brain back to day one. It moves your brain back to, you know, day 13. And if you learn from it, you can move your brain far ahead in your recovery journey. It's faster. It's actually going to build a better, a better plan. That's not going to be able to be penetrated. I love, love that. I mean, just. Yeah. So if someone has multiple slips, there's a problem with your program. You know, it's like, it's like a football team. If, if defense keeps letting the other offense through defense has a problem. That's why I always say the best plan is strong offense, but you need to have a defense plan to pivot when at the pivot points, when you need to pivot. But if you have an offense plan, those pivot points are much fewer and farther between. As long as the commitment piece is there from from day one. If you got an offensive game plan, but only seven of the 11 players on offense are committed to actually moving the ball downfield, you're probably going to throw an interception, get picked off, team's going to score on you. So start with commitment. And I think that's a differentiating factor between younger and older men, just to tie everything we've talked about together. Because like, you know, if older men are, you know, middle age or whatever, they're in a relationship and their spouse makes them, they're not committed. They're just like, you know, so their brain, their mind is not committed at all. They might be going through the motions and they can do that for a long time. People will tell me like, especially older gentlemen, middle-aged, like, you know, I can abstain for years. I'm like, I know, but here you are. So like, yeah. you haven't unwired the pattern. You haven't rewired the healthy pattern. That's what needs to happen. And then you, you don't have to have your guard up because you're in a different spot. Plus your whole life's changed too, because you've created new behaviors. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel... I feel those are the type of men that you see more and more like in your not knocking churches in any way. We've talked about the problems with, with the church and uh, you know, this issue in general, they're not, they're not addressing it in the way that I believe and and many of the men that we've had on here do, but you see those type of men in, in your men's church groups. I mean, I'm involved in a large group, you know, hundred plus men on a Tuesday night. And mm-hmm. they asked in the first week, like how many of you here because your wife told you you need to show up and like more than half the arms in the room went up and it's like, it was like a blow to my gut. It's like, Oh, these men, they're just not going to get out of it. What I know they truly, truly need. So it's got to come from, from your heart. You're wanting to change it for your brain, for your life to become your best version and truly live the life that you've created to live. So absolutely incredible. Um, Is there anything we we missed here? I I know there is because this is really a a bottomless pit, but just, I mean, I I feel you kind of, uh, you, you kind of brought it all home there with, with, with what we just ended. So I think that's a great, a great place to end. Once again, Trish, absolutely appreciate you. Just tremendous value guys. 
this is one of those ones again. If you didn't, if you're listening on walk or drive, make sure to come back with your your pen and paper because this is a note taking session here. But Dr. Trish, thank thank you so much again. Yeah, I, my like, pleasure. Anytime, literally anytime. I have so much fun talking to you, and I was looking for you know last time I didn't know you, we hadn't really met, and you know when you go into a new environment like that. But since we, I had such a nice time talking with you last time, I was excited to be back here again today. So I well, thank you for having me back. Well, I really appreciate. It. I know the, I know the audience appreciates you. I appreciate you for for so many reasons. Looking forward to. I mean, I think we're going to do something really special together in, in, in 2021. Yeah, I so I think it's going to be awesome because, uh, you know, collaboration is where it's at here. There are so many people who need help and Amen. I really want to fill my niche, the thing that I'm best at and have you fill yours and man, we can probably change a lot of, uh, change a lot of brains and improve a lot of lives. <laughs> change the world. Amen. So, so guys, you heard it here. I mean, tons of, of jam packs up. We covered it all. So if you haven't done so yet, subscribe, give us a rating, review, five stars, help Apple and all those platforms out there. Get this content in front of more people. And for you guys on YouTube that are watching this video, Trish is one of the fastest growing YouTube channels. I don't know in the world, but obviously in this space, she is blowing it up. So I'm going to link her channel down there below. She's dropping videos every day, five times yeah, a week. Yeah, right or... now I'm doing them every day. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, probably, I just for people's sake, some people really like getting them every day. Um, but I actually have two YouTube channels. So the plan for the new year is to have really good content on Tuesdays and Thursdays on the channel that is dedicated to porn recovery. But I just put a video out at the, on Sunday nights, I put out a Monday motivation video. Okay. And I said, please jump over to my other channel that is motivational. It's all based on neuroscience. It's those behavioral changes because I want you out of this porn recovery channel yes. as fast <laughs> as possible. Then if you join me over here on this channel, I can keep helping you stay the course, keep improving You know your ability to focus, to decrease your stress, all the things that people need to stay healthy and stay out of the, you know, out of channel too. So, um, that so on that channel I'll be dropping content on Mondays and Wednesdays really good content and then some motiv short motivational so basically there'll be something there every day on those two channels two times a week just dedicated to the neuroscience behind pornography recovery two times a week neuroscience on how to create those behavioral changes in your life to keep moving you forward yeah amazing so so you guys follow me know that I'm getting some of my 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 content and information from from Dr. Trish and I have no problem Pass on, send you straight to the source because it is life-changing content. So we appreciate you guys. Love you so much. We'll see you next week. Love you all.